so amazing. Guys, all last year, we talked about spiritual growth. We talked about spiritual growth via three journeys. Who is, you can admit this, by the way, who's kind of tired of the three journey series? You can raise your hand. I've got some bad news. Today is the return of the three journeys. This time it's personal. All right? We... <laughs> Thank you. I'm, gonna let that, I'm quite proud of that slide, actually, to tell you the truth. So I'm going to let that sit up there for a minute. No. So, we spent all last year talking about some really good stuff. I don't mean to say it's, it's bad stuff because we're kind of tired of it. Guys, a year is a long time to talk about anything. But today, to start the new year, I want to recap the old one. But we have a different angle that we can talk about all three journeys, and that's the personal angle. We said really good stuff last year. But we said what was true pretty much for everyone. We talked about what was true for the individual in the grand sense. What's true about God in the grand sense. And what's true about the outward journey in the grand sense. But today, I would like to give all of us opportunity to think about how do these relate to me? What can I do? What steps can I take as this unique person that I happen to be? in order to make this real in the coming year. So today doesn't really have a big point to drive home. Today is just to make us think about these three journeys in a new light so that we can go home and hopefully do some work on ourselves or maybe get some new disciplines or approach the world in a different way. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And I hope it will not be boring. We will also see some of my favorite slides from the past year that I have revivified to show you tonight. So that should be good. And if you're visiting tonight, it seems like I have no coherency tonight. Please give me grace, be nice, and come back next week. Where we will have a real sermon that has real points, and I'll, I'll go somewhere. Not tonight. Not going anywhere. We're going backwards, in fact. This sounds terrible. Worst intro ever. <laughs> Let's recap the inward journey, guys. We spent three months on this, and the inward journey was all about who you are and who you weren't in God. You get saved, great, you're going to church, but what in the world does that mean? Who are you now? What does the Bible say is true about you? And, and what do you think is true about you that might be false? We spent a lot of time on that, and we talked about some basic things. Number one, before salvation, we start out in the devil's house, and we're defined by what we do. Do you guys remember this sermon if you were here? Here's one of my favorite slides of all time. I was talking about... The default situation. Nobody is born a good person or born saved. We're all born needing to be saved under the control of the devil and the world. Bad news. But it's the bad news that paves the way for the good news. So we talked about what it looks like to be in the devil's house. If you stay there long term, you'll do shameful things and feel ashamed. In the devil's house, you'll degrade yourself and encourage others to do the same. You will be utterly foolish but think you're wise. You'll be neglected, abused, hurt, and used. You will spiral downward to increasing sinfulness. You'll grow less and less able to feel the sting of conscience. You will slowly but surely take on the attributes of your master and your deserved wages if you spend enough time in the devil's house that you die there are death and judgment. And in this sermon I made the point that this probably isn't a place you want to stay. Good news, you can get out. That's coming. We also talked about the other aspect of being in a devil's house before you're saved, before salvation, you are what you do. And we have one of these awesome quotes from Henry David Thoreau. This is one of my favorites. I'm going to read it again. He says this, The artist and his work are not to be separated. Wow. The most willfully foolish man cannot stand aloof from his folly. 
But the deed and the doer together make ever one sober fact. The buffoon cannot bribe you to laugh always at his grimaces. They shall sculpture themselves in Egyptian granite to stand heavy as the pyramids on the grounds of his character. And if you heard that and you resonated with that old English, good for you. <laughs> and if you didn't, here's Batman. <laughs> it's not who I am underneath. It's what I do that defines me. And of course we have Chuck Norris and T.R. Green. <laughs> this is bad news. If you're in the devil's house doing nasty, bad devil things, right? You don't want what you do to define you. But this is the way we talk about ourselves and the way we talk about other people by default. This is all bad news. Luckily, number two is also true in the inward journey. We are all saved only by God's grace and only through the cross. Here's some awesome verses on that. Titus 3, 4, 5. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. Why? Because we just said, we were defined by the bad stuff we did in the devil's house. We had no works of righteousness. Even if we had some, they wouldn't be enough. But according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Good news. And then the second verse I carried around with me on a note card when I gave my life back to the Lord because I was such a mess. I needed to be reminded. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, somebody say it. New creation. New creation. Amen. The old has passed away. Behold, the new is come. Do you guys remember this sermon where we talked about how we were kind of like nasty, dirty trucks in our old life? And that when we got saved, God doesn't just wash the car. Because that wouldn't really be salvation. That wouldn't be being a new creature. That would be being refurbished or just clean. God transforms you into a top-of-the-line Corvette, so to speak. Okay, follow the metaphor. I like the car. So it's not that he cleans your life. It's that he makes you something else. You are made glorious. You are made new. That happens for everybody because of the cross. We're good so far for this review. So here's redeemed Batman. I'm not going to do the Batman voice. It's not what it's not who I am underneath. It's what I do that defines me. Actually, no, hold on. It's who I am underneath because of what he's done. I can't do it. It's who I am. If you want me to preach the rest of the message, I gotta quit. Actually, no, hold on. It's who I am underneath because of what he's done that defines me, and that's true. And I do the good things I do because of who I am underneath, because of what he's done. Yes, that's better. Redeemed Batman. The miracle of the cross. Thank you. Among other things, when you come to faith in Christ, check this out. You no longer have to be defined by what you've done. You can now be defined by what God has done. And I don't know about you, but for Anthony Davis, that's really good news. Can I have an amen from someone? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Number three. Before salvation, we start in the devil's house. We're defined by what we do. Two, we're all saved by God's grace through the cross. And three, last review on this section, we all have the same status as children of God. You hear a lot of messages about that. But over the last year, we also talked about how we have the same status as servants of God. Who remembers this slide? In Jesus, we have freedom to serve God as he did. Paradoxically, True freedom is only available if we take on the identity of a servant. And we quoted this scripture. 
in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Philippians 2, 5-7. So we talked about all that stuff, and that's true for everybody in here who's a Christian. Okay? But here's my question. How do we make the inward journey personal? What does this mean for you individually? And really, we have to think about this. Because you are the only you there's ever been and there ever will be. And I don't agree with this, everyone gets a trophy just because they're special mentality. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the obligation that you have to be the best you that you can be because you're the only one that's ever going to come around. So how do we make this applicable to ourselves? I want to remind you of some things. One, God calls individuals and he doesn't expect clones. God calls individuals and he does not expect clones. He appreciates the units of you and he meant something when he made you. Yeah. Two, you're the only you there will ever be. You're obligated to be, to be you as best as you can. And now here's some thoughts on how you might be able to do that. What are your strengths and weaknesses? Do you know? Are you aware of your shortcomings, internal and external? What are your spiritual gifts? Do you have any idea? You've got some. Have you taken the time to figure it out? Are you actively addressing faults and increasing strengths? Do you have any plan for that? Have you even thought about it? This is kind of, this was new for me when I came to New Day. You can actively attack these things. And lastly, do you know who you are? And are you comfortable with that person? Now you might think, Anthony, there's no Bible verse here. This all seems really practical. Well, yes. God made you. You should probably get to know yourself. And if there are problems with you, you're the only one that can fix them. So you should work on it. And you have unique gifts that I don't have and that the person next to you does not have. You should probably increase those and work on making them better. Because only you can do it because you're the only you there is. And if you're not comfortable with yourself and you don't like yourself, my goodness, you're only hindering yourself. So this might be the part of the sermon that you resonate with and you need to do some hard work on, and that's fine. I would suggest you get inner healing ministry. You know, I would suggest that you start looking at your strengths and making a plan to make them better. But think about you. And think about how you can grow you specifically. Sound good? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Let's move on. Oh, Jason Upton quote. God bless him. This is from his song called 40. God, the great artist, designed you and me with his will and purpose in mind, but I keep on striving and trying to be someone I've made with my pride. Now the fires of hell burn hot and try to destroy me, but I run to your will, O oh God. I know you'll restore me and reform me. Let's drop the charade and play with ourselves, and let's attack the us God made us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's move on to the upward journey. Okay. Is this good? Mm -hmm. Is this redundant? Are we? Okay, excellent. I was hoping it wouldn't be. Upward journey fact number one. Oops, what happened? Oh no. I went the wrong way. Alright, here we go. God's attributes don't change. God is not a different God to different people at different times. The Old Testament God and the New Testament God, same God. Simply put, God's attributes answer this question. What is God like? Here's a quote from the book that we read. 
The Knowledge of the Holy by Tozer. Did anybody remember that book? I really love talking about that book. Tozer says this, An attribute of God is whatever God has in any way revealed as being true of himself. It is also something we can conceive as being true of him. God, being infinite, must possess attributes of which we can know nothing. So this said, and I've been talking about this every single week, that when God says something is true about God, you can believe it. But don't get so familiar with God that you choke all the wonder and all the, and all the, the mystery out of God. Remember that he's infinite. You know, because we have this tendency when we spend enough time with God that he no longer captivates us. He's no longer mysterious or even interesting. We think that our best friend might do something to surprise us, but surely not God. I know him better than that. So don't, don't let that happen to you. You can take to the bank what God says about himself, but remember that he's mysterious and infinite and awesome. But his attributes don't change for different people. I don't really need to read that long quote. Just decided against it. It's fine. It's just supplemental. Don't get that. Number two. Certain techniques for getting to know God are universal. I'm not going to list them here, but we talked about some. Somebody give me a technique for getting to know God. If you want to get to know what God is like, you might want to... Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Man, that took less than a second, I think. <laughs> you know, that's true for everybody everywhere. If you want to know God, read what he said about himself. And you also like, pray, study. That's true. We all know these, right? I mean, they're pretty much old hat. But how can you get to know God better? His attributes don't change. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's not playing hard to get. He's right there. If you already know what you need to do to do it, which one are you going to do? Here is a list. Some of the things on this list will make you say, yes, I love that, and some of them will make you say, please, dear God, no. I'm going to humbly suggest that you have 360-some more days, I think, ish, 350-some more days. Now, man, it's ticking away. Kronos is chunking out this year already. Pick something that you've not done before or that you don't really dig and go for it. I'll read them. Meditative prayer. Read Henry Nowen's book, Way of the Heart, and run with it. So great. Morning prayer. Yes, get up, pray first thing. Evening prayer. Yes, last thing. Fasting. In-depth study of words in the Bible, books in the Bible, ideas in the Bible, or characters in the Bible. You could get all kinds of books and dig into that. You could get the blue letter Bible lab. So just go crazy. Teach a class or take a class. Check these out. Intercede for people. Journal and step out in service. It doesn't necessarily seem like those are ways of getting to know God, but I promise that they are. When you intercede, you're praying for somebody and you end up praying, usually prophetically, you're praying God's heart for that person, which is why, actually... Did I put prophetic on here? No, I did not. That's crazy. I meant to. Because when you discover God's heart for a person or a situation, you get to know God. So intercede for people. Get to know God that way. Journal. Write down your thoughts with God. Step out in service. God is a servant. You'll get to know God's character better by acting like Him. Take your Bible on lunch breaks. Clear out bad habits and make room for Him in your life when you've crowded Him out. And lastly, remember that He's with you. And see how that changes the way you think and the way you act. These are just some suggestions. These shouldn't be new to anyone who's been in church as long as I have, certainly. But I would encourage us to dig in and pick one. Dig in and pick one. This brings us to the outward journey. Just finish this one. Alright, this one I have the least amount of material. So let me recap what we just said. We all started out in a bad spot. We're all saved by grace. 
We're all sons and daughters and servants, but we're all individuals. And we need to dig in to our unique flaws and work on correcting those and our unique giftings and work on magnifying those. God does not change. His character does not change. We know how to get to know him. We need to do it. And if there are ways that we haven't done that, let's have the courage and the, and the guts to do that and to discover new facets of God. But because, well, I don't want to say that yet. Here we go. The call to join God in his mission to redeem the world is universal. No Christian gets away from that. Remember these awesome slides. Who is sent? You are. When? Now. The minute you get saved. These are some excuses that don't work. No, you are not too young to be sent on this mission. No, you are not lacking some qualification. No, you are not in the wrong stage of life. You're not in the wrong job. You're not in the wrong family. You are not the wrong personality type. You are sent whether you like it or not. No Christian gets away with not being sent on God's mission. To be a Christian means to be like God and join him in his mission to redeem the world. So who is sent? You are. At all ages, at all stages, and at all times. I love that slide too because I got to use Oh, I choose you. Amen. <laughs> also, there are universal aspects of the mission that God sends you on that he expects everybody to agree with. All right? Morality, taking on God's character, doing good, etc. All those verses in the Bible about letting your light shine before men, letting your good works shine. You know, you read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and it's so common sense and so basic and so real world applicable it almost doesn't even seem like it should be in the Bible check it out like don't be angry don't be a jerk forgive people pray like this don't lust I mean this is incredibly basic but God lays out some moral standards and some character traits that he wants everybody to have alright but the message of the mission is always and only the cross because that's the only thing that can save us Here's a great quote from Guzik. For the Apostle Paul, the message of the cross was the gospel. It was impossible for the Apostle to preach the gospel without presenting the message of the cross. So preaching a high moral standard is not preaching the gospel. Preaching the universal fatherhood of God is not preaching the gospel. And preaching the universal brotherhood of man is not preaching the gospel. The gospel is the message of the cross. Amen. So while it's important to be moral and do good, that's not what changes people and gets them redeemed. Only Jesus does that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Those things are universal. But how can you, with your unique personality, your unique gift set, you who reflects the character of God, which doesn't change, but you reflect it in a unique way. It reflects through you like light through a diamond. People might see different aspects of God clearer in you than they see it in me. How can you have a unique impact on the world? And this, I actually don't know what to tell you. I have no idea. I took that picture of Manistee when I was there for a song. I thought it was one of the best trail pictures I've ever seen. But I literally cannot preach on this. And you know why? Because I'm not Dave Flo. I'm not Daniel Sager. I will not go where you go. I have not had the life you've had. I don't have the gifts that you have. I don't have the life experience you have, or even some of the aspects of wisdom that you have. Or you, Justin. Or you, Darren. I will never be at the airport checking people in. 
had no idea what it looks like to reflect God in that context. But we need to grow personally in our relationship with God. We need to grow in our knowledge of God and let him rub off on us. We need to take what we know is universal about the call. And then we need to step out in our own lives as the only us's there will ever be. And reflect God in the world the way only we ever will be able to. Mm-hmm. And that's how you make the outreach of people. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. You guys in for that? Mm-hmm. All right, then I guess I'll put a hand right here. I'll give it to Justin to close. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.